The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Let's pray. Our great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come upon this particular passage on this particular Lord's Day morning, not because it's not only because it's the next passage that we come to in our journey through the book of Galatians, but because by your providential will you ordained, foreordained from before the foundations of the world, that on July the 13th, Sunday morning, First Baptist Church of Nixa, the believers that are gathered there would need this word. And so I preach this morning believing that there are some who are here today who need to hear the warning of this word that if they sow to the flesh, they will reap corruption. Lord, I pray that you would take the hammer of the word and shatter hard and calloused hearts. But I preach this morning also believing that there are some here who are in danger of quitting. They're weary. They're burdened. They're tired. It seems like all of their labors are in vain and they sow and they sow and they sow and, and nothing happens. Maybe they've come in this morning. Deciding to give it one more shot. Father, you know that my prayer this morning has been that you would turn this worship service into a well from which the weary could come and drink cool, refreshing water that would revive their souls. That you would turn this message into a banquet from which starving people could come and be nourished on the bread of life. Lord, we are a desperate and needy people. And you are a good and sufficient Savior. Oh, come. We need you. We need your grace. So come. In the power of the Holy Spirit, speak words of grace, words of life into the midst of your people. I ask this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. What is at stake in the passage this morning is of the greatest possible consequence. Eternal life and eternal death. 
heaven and hell hang in the balance. And by making this claim, I'm not trying to build in artificial relevance to try and, and do what I can through, through flowery language to build your interest in listening to this sermon by overstating my case. No, I think that's the fair surface level reading of the main clause of this passage, which we find in verses 7 and 8. Where the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaks to us, the people of God, and says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So Paul's going to use a farming metaphor this morning. He's going to employ the metaphor of sowing and of reaping. And he imagines the human heart. He imagines our heart, your heart, as a country estate, as it were, containing two distinct and separate fields. There's the field of the flesh, which is our sinful nature, which we have inherited from Adam. And there is the field of the spirit, which is that regenerate nature, that New nature, which is ours in Christ. And he says that those who are going to sow their seed in the field of the flesh will reap what the flesh produces. We read what the flesh produces back in chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. And the end of such things is death, or as he says in verse 7, is corruption. But those who sow their seed in the field of the Spirit will reap what the Spirit produces, and that is life. Life that does not end, life that overflows in glorious abundance. And beloved, that's what I want you to reap. That's what I want to reap. I want to reap life and not death. I want to reap abundance and not corruption. And so we need to be warned. So what the word of God is to us this morning, it is a warning and an encouragement. And we need this warning. We need to be warned against the deception that is so prevalent in today's evangelical church, which says that you can profess faith in Jesus Christ and yet spend all of your days sowing to the flesh and still somehow reap eternal life. It is not true. Be not deceived. We need to be warned against that vain philosophy which says that we can name the name of Christ and yet go our own way mocking God with our sin and still be saved. It is not true. Be not deceived. This is a devilish lie that's just sort of wafting its way through today's churches like smoke billowing up from the pit of hell. Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's the word of God to us this morning. As we've said a number of times over the last five weeks, only the holy will inherit eternal life. Only those who sow their seed in the field of the Spirit, thus producing good and abundant and spiritual fruit, will reap the harvest of life everlasting. All those who sow their seed in the field of the flesh, thus producing the deeds of the flesh, will inherit corruption and death and eternal destruction. And I want you to know, Paul knows what he's doing. He knows what he has written in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and 4. 
What he writes in 5 and 6 in no way violates the gospel and the foundations of grace that he's been laying down in all of the previous chapters. What I'm preaching to you today in no way violates what we've covered over the last six months and over the last 20 sermons. The gospel says that sinners are justified before God by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. We are not saved by our own holiness, our own righteousness, our own works. We're saved by the holiness, righteousness, and the saving works of Christ. But all who are so justified by faith in Christ also receive the Spirit of Christ whose purpose it is to sanctify each and every one in whom He dwells. It's the purpose of Christ in sending us His Spirit to make us holy that we may inherit eternal life, that we may see the Lord. And this is how we are to interpret such things Repeated statements in scripture that indicate that we, you and I, we're going to undergo at the end of this life a judgment which which will be based upon works. For instance, let me read you a few passages. You can flip there. They're in the New Testament if you so want. I'll read them to you. Romans chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart... You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Listen, who will render to each person according to what he has done. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. I'm not sure how Paul could be more clear. Those who persevere in doing good will reap eternal life. Those who persevere in wickedness, who do not obey the truth, eternal death, wrath, and indignation. Revelation 22, 12, some of the last words that our Lord says to us in the canon of Scripture. He says, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. Listen. To render to every man according to what he has done. See, when Jesus returns in judgment, every man will reap the harvest that he has sown. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, Therefore we have as our one ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that we may be recompensed or rewarded for the deeds done in the body. According to what we have done. Whether good or bad. You're going to reap what you sow. So don't be deceived. As we begin this message, I want you to know that I am absolutely zealous for your salvation. I am zealous that you would receive eternal life. And that's why I labor diligently week after week to teach you that man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16. In other words, I want you to leave here knowing that the only way to get right with God 
is by ceasing the futile attempt to earn his favor through your striving, through your works, and through your morality, and through your own attempts at righteousness, that's not going to receive his pleasure. The only hope for sinners is to rest all of your hope and to put all of your faith in the shed blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which he gives freely to all who believe. You need to believe in Christ. You must Believe in Jesus, which includes resting from all of your attempts to earn his favor. If you would be justified. And I want you to be saved on the last day. And that's why I will just ring that bell over and over and over again from this pulpit. But I'm also zealous that every one of you would inherit the kingdom of God and life everlasting. And that's why... I intend to be diligent as well to explain to you that if you are born again by the sovereign grace of God unto saving faith in Jesus Christ, then you have received the spirit of Jesus whose ambition and goal and foreordained predetermined purpose is to make you holy. And the evidence of the new life that has been granted to you in Christ, the evidence of the spirit's presence and power at work in every one of his children without exception is that you will pursue holiness and you will sow to the Spirit. Your faith, beloved, must produce fruit by the power of the Holy Spirit or else it is fraudulent and your profession is false and you will not be saved. Be not deceived. There's a lot of voices out there trying to deceive you on this one. Don't let them. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. So surely you can see then how it is of the utmost importance that we give our attention this day and every day to the matter of sowing to the Spirit. For unless you sow to the Spirit, you will not reap eternal life, but rather corruption and death. And so with this in mind, I want to point you to three ways you can do that. I don't have to look hard. Paul gives us three ways in verses 6 through 10. Three ways that he instructs the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who name the name of Christ, those who profess faith in our Savior and our Lord. Three ways that we can sow to the Spirit and so reap a harvest of righteousness and life everlasting. Three ways. The first way Paul gives us is found in verse 6. Paul instructs us to sow to the Spirit through supporting the pastors whom God has given to the church in order to shepherd you and to teach you the Word of God. So verse 6 reads, The one who has taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now I'm going to be honest with you. Several weeks ago, as I was looking ahead and I saw this verse looming on the horizon of Galatians, I viewed it with a little bit of embarrassment. And surely you can see why, because it's very easy for this verse to come across as, in my teaching upon this verse, to come across as, you know, God tells you that you're supposed to pay me. Thank you. But the, the more I looked at this verse and the more I meditated upon it, I realized, you know what, that's precisely what God instructs. And therefore, to be embarrassed of this instruction is to be embarrassed of the word of God. 
The fact of the matter is God does command the church to support their pastors. And I believe the reason he does so is because the support of your pastors is vital to your own holiness. And your holiness is vital to the receiving of eternal life. When you support your pastors financially and materially, you are sowing to the spirit and you will reap from the spirit eternal life. There is a connection between your payment of your ministers whom God has set over this church and your receiving everlasting life. Now, that's a very bold claim, and I understand it, but I think I can prove it biblically, and I want to try to do that. First, I want to show you that when Paul talks about sharing all good things with those who teach you the word, all good things refers to financial support. The Bible repeatedly commands the covenant people of God to pay their ministers. Under the old covenant, the people of Israel were commanded to provide for the Levites and the priests as they ministered before the Lord in the temple on behalf of the people. The Levites and the priests who were not apportioned an inheritance in the land. God commanded the people of Israel to support them through tithes and offerings. The Lord even allotted to the priests and to the Levites a portion of the sacrifices that were offered in the temple. And we see as we come into the New Testament and into the New Covenant, that the New Covenant church, the principle carries over. Even though there is no longer a temple and there is no longer a priesthood, there are pastors who shepherd the flock and feed the flock and minister the word of God to the flock. So we read in... For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 and 14, where Paul says, Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? And those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar. See, he's he's reaching back into the old covenant. He's saying, look at how God set it up. Look at how God established it. And then he brings the principle over to the new covenant in verse 14. So also... The Lord directed that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Paul says, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. The word honor, both in context and in its usage in other places, refers to payment. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Paul even asked the Corinthian church, if we sowed, he uses the same metaphor. If we sowed spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So the biblical principle is clear and repeated. Churches are to give generously, Paul says, all good things to provide a livable income to their pastors so that the pastors are then free to give themselves fully to the task of shepherding the flock and feeding the sheep. Listen, it takes time. It takes a lot of time to rightly divide the word of truth, to prepare, to lead, to counsel, to pray, to administrate, to exhort And so God has allotted to the pastors, like the priests and the Levites before us, a portion from among the covenant people of God, a livable wage from the church. But 
But what does the payment of pastors have to do with your own holiness and eternal life? Well, it all centers upon the word. You see, a church that will say, we care so much about the word of the living God that we will pay a livable income to gifted and qualified elders who will give themselves and will give their lives to come and to teach us the word and to feed us the word and to counsel us with the word and to exhort us with the word. We love the word and we want shepherds to come and feed us the word. Then that church is sowing to the spirit. And the promise of God is that from the spirit it will reap what? Eternal life. Think about it this way. How how are people born again? How are sinners, dead in trespasses and sins, born again? Well, they're born again through the preaching and teaching of the word. So Peter says, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but of seed which is imperishable. That is the living and abiding word of God. How do unbelievers come to saving faith? Well, they come to saving faith Through the preaching and teaching of the word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. How are the believers of Christ? How are the how are the how is the flock of God sanctified? They're sanctified through the preaching and teaching of the word. That's why Jesus prays in the upper room. John 17, 17 prays to the father. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, when the church pays towards the support of gifted and qualified pastors who will faithfully, faithfully teach it the word of God, that church is sowing to the spirit. It is making an investment that will pay eternal dividends. It's true that pastors have to guard against certain temptations. We have responsibilities. We need to guard against the temptation to greed, right? Using the ministry in order to get wealthy. We need to, we need to guard against the temptation to laziness. Phoning it in and preaching out of the file throughout your whole ministry and playing golf during the week. There are many who do such things. And we need to be our guard against that. Congregations need to be on guard against the temptation to stinginess. That desire that says we're going to keep our pastors holy by keeping them poor. It's not your job to keep us holy. You need to guard against the temptation to blackmail, right? Dangling the checks in front of the pastors in order to get your way. But when pastors fulfill their God-given responsibilities to shepherd and to feed the flock. And when the church fulfills its God-given responsibility to support and share all good things with the pastors, cheerfully and generously, then the principle applies. You will reap what you sow. And in sowing to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit eternal life. So I... I began to write this section of this sermon feeling a little bit of embarrassment. How am I going to talk about it? I'm not embarrassed about it. Listen, I, I have had people who have come into churches at, like the one week a year that I talk on finances. And they're like, oh, that guy always talks about money. 
Jesus is so vitally concerned with your finances because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And to neglect to give you the instructions of the word concerning what you are to do with your finances, particularly how you are to invest them and sow them to the spirit by by paying for for the livelihoods of gifted and qualified elders who will bathe you in the word and will feed you the word that is able to make you wise unto salvation. You need to hear it. So sow to the spirit. Don't be stingy, be regular, be cheerful, be joyful. And then drink in the word. Second way Paul instructs us to sow to the spirit is by killing sin and walking in holiness. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because we spent two full weeks on each of these, killing sin and walking by the Spirit when we were in Galatians 5, 16 to 25. I just want to touch on it briefly this morning by way of reminder and to serve as a warning that on the last day, on the day of judgment, there will be a visible difference between the saved and the lost that goes far beyond the fact that the saved are those who believe and the lost are those who do not. The unbelieving and the unrepentant heart of the lost will be evident in the wickedness of their works. They sowed to the flesh and they reaped from the flesh the fruit that the flesh produces. You can see them there in verse 19 of chapter 5. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Likewise, on the last day, the believing and repentant heart will be evident outwardly in the righteousness of their deeds. They sowed to the Spirit, and they've reaped what the Spirit produces. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you remember that old anti-drug campaign from the 1980s? It used to be on when I was watching my, my Sunday morning cartoons with my bowl of Fruit Loops. It showed you an egg. And it's, there's a voice in the background that says, this is your brain. The egg was then cracked and splattered into a hot frying pan. And the voice said, this is your brain on drugs. And then as you watch the egg sizzle, the voice concludes... Any questions? Galatians 6, 8 is intended to have much the same effect. Those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption. I'm not sure if Paul could have chosen a more vivid word to display what happens when we give ourselves to these sorts of things. Corruption is a word that conveys the idea of a putrid corpse well along in the process of decomposition. It's as if Paul is saying, this is your soul, 
This is your soul on sin. Any questions? But those who sow to the spirit will reap eternal life. So while the harvest of the fleshly person is a rotting corpse destined for the incinerator. The image of the spiritual person is that of a glorified, resurrected body destined for glory. This is your soul. This is your soul on righteousness. Any questions? So the call of Galatians 6, 7, and 8 is to desist, stop, cease sowing to the flesh by being intentional about killing sin and persist, continue on, persevere in sowing to the Spirit by intentionally walking by the Spirit. And if you have any questions about how to do that, I would refer you to our website where you will find two sermons dedicated to those two ideas. You'll, hear, you'll see one sermon entitled Killing Sin by the Spirit and you'll hear how to put to death indwelling sin through the sin-killing weapons of confession and amputation and worship and fasting. And you'll hear how to cultivate spiritual fruit as we're intentional about walking by the Spirit by making diligent use of the means of grace, the Word, prayer, the sacraments, fellowship. And you'll find a helpful acronym, APTAT, which can be used to be intentional about pursuing holiness by faith and the power of the Spirit when a specific situation arises requiring a power that you do not possess. Requiring love, patience, self-control, wisdom. So I don't want to retrace all of those steps. I just refer you to the website, refer you to the previous sermons from a few weeks ago. But I do have one final thought on this issue. Before we move on to the final point. The battle between the flesh and the spirit is waged first and foremost in your mind. Whether or not you're going to sow seeds to the spirit or whether you're going to sow seeds to the flesh is waged in the mind long before it's ever fought in the body. Several years ago, I heard an old adage, which I have only found to be more and more true the older I get. It's a proverb. It goes like this. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It's exactly what Paul is saying in these verses. You will never reap a harvest of righteousness resulting in internal, eternal life until you sow thoughts of holiness. See, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. But you will never, you will never, you will never be holy until you reject the lie which says that you can watch whatever you want to watch. You can listen to whatever you want to listen. You can read whatever you want to read and still be sanctified. No, you can't. Men, you will never win the battle against lust until you stop watching Game of Thrones or any other television drama that masquerades, or I should say any other form of soft porn that masquerades as television drama. It's okay because it's not bought in an adult store. No, it's not. Women, you'll never win the battle against gossip until you stop watching TMZ, Access Hollywood, or reading gossip magazines. I would remind you, men and women, 
that gossip about celebrities is still gossip. In other words, if you would be holy, you need to think on holy things. If you would be pure, your mind needs to be filled with pure things. If you would be beautiful or lovely or excellent, you need to fill your mind with that which is beautiful or lovely or excellent. Philippians 4.8, there are no shortcuts when it comes to farming. And there are no shortcuts when it comes to holiness. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. Finally, Paul instructs us to sow to the Spirit by persevering in good deeds. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Farming is hard, back-breaking work. I don't envy them. Up long before dawn, out long after dusk. Tractors break down, rain doesn't come, insects destroy crops. But if you want the joy of the harvest that comes in the fall, then you must persevere through the trials and continue to sow in the field during the spring and summer. Likewise, when it comes to Christian life and Christian ministry, you need to persevere if you want to reap a harvest. But at the same time, Paul, that Paul gives the admonition, let us not lose heart in doing good. He also gives us an unshakable promise for our encouragement. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. The unshakable promise of God is of an abundant harvest that will not fail. I was listening to NPR a few weeks ago, and I heard on the radio the news that the, uh, the wheat harvest in western Oklahoma is in danger of being an almost total loss this year due to an excessive drought. And as I listened, they were interviewing farmers, and some of them were doing better because they had their, their fields insured, and, and some of them were about to lose everything. And I thought to myself, how, how devastating and how demoralizing that must be See, in this world, there are times when you sow and do not reap. But the promise of God is unfailing. The harvest may not be when you expect, it may not be when you desire, but in due time, you will reap the harvest of your labors. In fact, the primary perspective of this passage is what we would call eschatological. It has to do with the, the end times, the last days. Which is a reminder that you may not see the harvest of your labors at all in this life. But the harvest will come. The same God who will not be mocked when we sow to the flesh will not be mocked when we sow to the Spirit. He will fulfill His good and perfect promise. And you will reap if you do not give up. William Carey the father of modern missions. He, he left England and sailed for India in 1793 with this heart burning and this desire to preach the gospel where Christ had not been named. And for seven years, he preached faithfully to anybody who would listen without seeing a single native convert to faith in Jesus Christ. Seven years. At one point, he wrote home to his sisters in England and he said this, 
He said, I feel as a farmer does about his crop. Sometimes I think the seed is springing, and, and thus I hope. Then a little blasts all, and my hopes are gone like a cloud. They were only weeds which appeared. Or if a little corn sprung up, it quickly dies, being either choked with weeds or parched out by the sun of persecution. Yet I still hope in God and will go forth in his strength and make mention of his righteousness, even of his alone. Seven years. But then on December the 28th, 1800, William Carey baptized his first Hindu convert in the waters of the Ganges River, a man named Krishna Paul. And one of Carey's friends who was documenting the event, he wrote in his journal, he said, Ye gods of stone and clay, did ye not tremble when in the triune name one soul shook from you his feet like dust? Krishna Paul was the first fruits of a large harvest of souls granted to William Carey. Listen, in due time. Or consider the case of a man named Luke Short. He's a man who as a teenager stumbled into a church where he heard the great English English Puritan pastor John Flavel. And he was preaching a sermon on 1 Corinthians 16.22 which reads, If anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. And Luke Short listened to the sermon. He remained unaffected and he exited the church in unbelief. And shortly thereafter he immigrated to the Virginia colony over in the New World. Eighty-five years later, as he's sitting underneath a hedge and he's contemplating the imminence of death that hangs just around the corner, he remembers a sermon he heard once upon a time by a man named John Flavel, and he begins to quake in fear and trembling, not wanting to die under the curse of God's wrath. And at that moment, the Spirit of God, listen, took the seed planted 85 years before by a faithful pastor over in England. And he causes it to grow. And Short is converted to faith in the gospel. Do not grow weary in doing good. For in due time you will reap. If you do not give up. So don't quit. I've given you the warning of this text already. Now I give you the encouragement. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in reaching out with your faith to unbelieving friends with the gospel of Jesus. Even if you haven't seen one of them turn to faith in Jesus, you will reap a harvest in due time if you don't give up. Don't grow weary in taking care of your your elderly mother or your elderly father, even though in their dementia they're, they're so mean to you and they're so ungrateful and they say such hurtful things. Don't quit. For in due time, as you, as you honor your father and your mother, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Don't grow weary in your hard work, in your faithful labors, in your honest employment, in your ethical business practices. Though your co-workers cheat the time clock and they get away with it. Though your colleagues cheat the system and they progress and they don't get caught. You, beloved, you will see the harvest in due time. Don't grow weary, First Baptist Nixa, in the ministry to which God has called you and in the ministry in which he has providentially placed you. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And though the ground seems parched, 
and dry and the soil seems so hard, you will reap if you do not give up. You may see people come to faith in Christ. You may hear words of gratitude from the mother and the father that you're, that you're pouring out your life for. You may see that promotion come through. You may see your business prosper. But listen, or you may not. But you will reap from the Spirit life eternal. And you will hear the Father say on that last day, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundations of the world. Now is the time for sowing. First Baptist Nixon. Now is the time to sow into your life seeds of holiness. Now is the time to shower the fields with love and service toward one another. To the world in general, yes, but what does he say in verse 10? Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Now is the time to bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now is the time to rescue the perishing and to restore those who are ensnared in sin. Now is the time of sowing. The time of sowing will not last forever. The time of the harvest will come. And on that day, what will you have to show to the master of the vineyard? Will he say, I was was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. To which you will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or naked or sick or in prison? When did we see you a stranger and we invited you in? And he will say, truly, to the extent that you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And then will come the fullness of the harvest that has been promised. When the gates of heaven swing open and the beams of glory shine upon your face and you hear the words that you've been longing to hear all through the the tiresome, toilsome years of sowing in which you saw very little harvest, you will hear him say, come, you who are blessed of my father, into the kingdom prepared for you. Come. You will reap the harvest if you don't give up. Be not deceived, beloved. God will not be mocked. The inviolable principle of seed time and harvest remains. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. So don't quit. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your ministry. Don't quit on your children. Don't quit on your brother or your sister who needs you to come alongside them and help you to shoulder and to bear their burdens. So to the spirit, use the freedom that you have in Christ to serve one another in love. Pursue holiness through faith in the power of the spirit. And I promise you on the authority of scripture and on the authority of the name of Christ that you will reap the harvest. Abundantly more than you ask or imagine. Just don't quit.